0: I realize that my my name is uh, maybe not what it should
1: be. So this is Jacob Proctor uh, interviewing Margaret Honda in her studio in Los Angeles for the Smithsonian Institution Archives of American Arts Pandemic Project. So Margaret, thank you so much for speaking with me. Um, it's been okay. quite a, been I guess the last time we saw each other in person was in February, late February in Berlin, and then the world kind of turned upside down. Um, So it's nice to see you.
0: It's very nice to see you as well. And um, I think at the time that we did see each other, certainly uh, the virus was working its way westward, I guess. And um, so we had an inkling of you know, things going on. And um, I know I had planned on, I had wanted to go to Northern Italy and had to postpone on that <laughs> <laughs> trip because uh, Northern Italy was being um, completely shut off at that moment. Um, and then uh, on that particular trip to Europe, we got home, I think, the night of March 10th. And then we woke up the next morning to a news headline that uh, the United States was uh, about to ban all um, incoming travel, travelers from Europe. So it was this very strange thing of, of getting home just in the nick of time, but, um, but also still you know, dealing with what was to come. And, um, uh, it's, it's been, it's been interesting and very strange as I think it has been for everybody. Uh, and you know, the one thing that I, I try to remind myself of is that, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, my, my particular situation is, um, it's, Relatively stable uh, compared to the situation of so many other people, not only in the U.S. but but all over the world. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a refugee. Uh, I have a place to you know shelter myself. I I can feed myself. Uh, I'm in relatively good health. Um, and so all of those things, I think, contribute to a person's sense of, of control. Um, and, but even so, uh, it does feel, there have been moments, especially very early on, where things felt um, completely out of control. You know, Because early on, nobody really understood the virus. We still don't under, understand it. Uh, and also, uh, I mean, California has been it was relatively good early on in terms of of quarantining and closing things down uh but then reopening things has has presented a lot of difficulties and um that has been uh you know a a source of of um you know of of really it's just been very hard for everybody because you know you close things down and you open things up and and then you know you have to look at closing things down again, um, but I think uh, for for me and for my husband, uh, we've basically been closed down <laughs> since March ten. We haven't really kind of. I mean, we've we've been very careful. We've you know been staying home, um, and luckily, our lives before the quarantine we're essentially the same, you know, we, we work at home, we're at home all the time, we're around each other all the time. So there wasn't a whole lot for us to get used to in terms of like, there was no major difference in terms of, um, our working lives and our, our day-to-day lives. Although, um, in terms of our working lives, I have to say that a lot of the, um, Labs and fabricators that I rely on mm-hmm. are still closed, and so there are projects that are in abeyance at the moment and I, I just have to wait until it 's possible and i 'm um, not too worried about that. Uh, luckily, it seems as though a lot of deadlines have have kind of evaporated or they 've been moved, so it 's not um, It's not like I'm I'm facing any extreme difficulties. I I don't know of anybody who really is, you know, in terms of their own work. Um, But it's also been a really good time to just sort of think about things, you know, to to have time to really think in a way that I didn't before because I was busy, I was traveling, I was going to the lab and the fabricators and um, you know, now there there is time to actually really just kind of rethink a lot of things that I do and how I do them, and you know, do I really want to get on as many airplanes as I have gotten on in the past, and all of that kind of thing? Um, but I don't know. Um, I I haven't really talked to a whole lot of other people about their experiences. I mean, I've I. I talk to my family all the time, but they are in different lines of work. So I don't really know what it's like for, say, a lot of artists in New York and, or even in Los Angeles for that matter. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have really taken the, the sort of self-isolation thing quite seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that your point about, that. I mean, I was, I was gonna ask you about, fabri- about lab, film labs and fabricators. Um, uh, but, you know, this question about travel is actually, I, I think I, I do wonder myself what it will mean for for those of us who are in industry, in, in parts of the art world or that rely so much or have come to rely so much on frequent, you know, frequent plane travel, international travel. I mean, in your case recently, like, you know, the film festival circuit is a really important part right. of, of that world, um, you know, even if you're coming at it very much from the art, the art world side, it's still an important, uh, means of having your work shown. And of course, that's also Mm -hmm. a communal environment. And, um, and, you know, your work and your film work especially is very, it's basically impossible to see, except in a live theatrical setting. Right. And I, I wonder have you, whether you've Thought about sort of what that not so, not so much on the production end but on the reception end. For the
0: right, I have I have thought about that a lot. Um, in the past, uh, often the problem has been that people ask about my films and then they realize that they're either seventy millimeter or thirty-five millimeter and they don't have the equipment. Um, at the moment, there have been. Situations where people have the equipment, but then because of the pandemic, you know, theaters are are not open and I had When I first started making films about seven years ago, initially I thought that um, you know, once once all the projectors, you know, taken out, or there are no more projectionists, and that's the end of it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, as I was working more, what I realized is that um, when Kodak decides to discontinue a particular stock, you know, that could be the end for me. Uh, but now I realize it's it's you know it, it's something it's something both bigger and smaller than all of that you know it's it's um uh i mean you know, as humans we're, we're not we're not at the top of the food chain you know it's viruses are at the top of the food chain <laughs> and um you know a pandemic is something that could be the end of of my films uh or at least the reception end um it's still possible for me to make things uh, the question is how will people see them and i 've always known from the beginning that there would be a very limited audience for my films just because they do have to be shown you know in a cinema. Um, and, you know, that that does limit things, you know, but but I didn't, I don't really do work that's about being seen across, you know, many different platforms at any time of the day or night, you know, it's, it's really is about this very physical experience of being, you know, in a theater and um, not being able to do that for whatever reason, but now because of a pandemic, that... You know that does change things, but it's also something that I I just have to accept. You know, it's it's the nature of the world, and there isn't there isn't anything I personally can do about it. Um, but you know, I I always knew that the end of my films would probably bec- come before the end of me, and I think you know we we might be seeing that now. Probably not, you know. I mean, I was feeling about a couple months ago, like, oh, you know, maybe my films are never going to screen again. Now I think they probably will, but it would be, you know, in several years, I think. Um, So, you know, I mean, these are the kinds of things that I I think about, (laughs) that I'm spending (laughs) my time thinking about. You know, it's like, what what is the end of things? When will that come? What will it look like?
1: I keep thinking about—I don't know if you know the—you know these—the photographs of the the invisible cinema that Peter Kubelka designed for Anthology mm-hmm. in the early '70s, okay. where everyone was in their own little black cubby box and they weren't right. supposed to—and for him it was that there was no one—they weren't supposed to be distracted by the people sitting next to them. But uh-huh. of course, now you would build that now. Maybe all cinemas will will have that structure so that we can't cough on each other.
0: Right, or, yeah, because you don't want to be breathing in someone else's air, and, and, um, but unfortunately, I think for the films that I make, it's, I really do like for the audience to be one large, I mean, I, I like for people to be able to see what the rest of the audience is doing, you know, whether somebody's you know, moving around or coughing or because my films are, are right. silent and, and some of them are long and, you know, things, lots of things can happen to yeah. your body, you know, in that span of time. And, and that I think is a really important part of, of, you know, watching my films.
1: Yeah. I and mean, the phenomenology of film spectatorship is going to be forever changed. (laughs) I think
0: think it, I think it will be. There may be moments where, you know, we can go back. I I know the Arsenal in Berlin had reopened their theaters um, back in June, but I think with, you know, social distancing in terms of the seating and so forth. uh, So I think in some parts of the world, there are attempts being made, you know, to, to try to have screenings in theaters, which I think is fantastic. Um, to be living in the United States right now and to be thinking about that is a little terrifying, but um, you know, at, at some point I hope, you know, that there will be, there will be a time when we can go back into a theater and see a film.
1: Yeah, I hope so too um you know in LA I don't have I mean I've spent this time either in Europe or in New York um and how are people taking it in LA I mean I know that you said that you've been you've really been taking it seriously and you know staying in and, mm-hmm. um like actually sheltering in place as it were um but in terms of the media and you know your sense of the world kind of the world outside do you you know? Do you feel like, I mean, I was saying that in New York, it feels there's an extremely high level of like really acute anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious whether, I you mean, know, LA is such a, New York is such a city of close packed
0: sure. areas
1: and LA is a much more, you know, it's, it's not that way. <laughs> I mean, right. Out.
0: Well, I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the difference between you know feeling something as acutely as you do in New York uh, and not feeling it so much here in Los Angeles because it still is you know a, a city where you get in your car and you drive someplace and um so you don't really have a sense of what other people you know are feeling or thinking uh, they're you know they're they're it's really hard to tell how seriously people take things unless you actually talk to them, or if you see somebody out, you know, wearing a mask, you know, or wearing a mask and gloves, um, then you know somebody is taking things seriously. Uh, but then there are lots of people who don't wear masks when they go out, and they're mm-hmm. still, you know. The chance of them actually running into somebody is is fairly great, um, and I think after Memorial Day, which is when Los Angeles went into stage two of the reopening, uh, that's when the infection levels started to rise because um, you know restaurants and bars started to reopen, um, barbers and you know hairdressers, and You know people i think i think if you adhered really strongly to guidelines of wearing a mask and and um you know keeping your distance that certainly helped and would have prevented a lot of spread but i think one of the things um that i think might be happening and i spoke with a friend about this is that there's this term lockdown you know which Mm -hmm. implied as opposed to quarantine you know lockdown seems to come from a sort of uh you know incarceration and so people feel like you know something has been taken away from them or or they've been um you know locked up literally uh whereas quarantine is a a term that really you know come it uh involves or it makes you put you more in mind of of a medical situation. And I think when, you know, so much of, of, um, the reporting has involved this term lockdown. And so when things start to move from stage to stage of reopening, I think, you know, people automatically just feel like, Oh, you know, we're free. We're not under lockdown anymore. You know, maybe, not thinking well even though we're not strictly under lockdown you know there are still these other guidelines that we need to adhere to and you know my friend and i were wondering if the term quarantine had been used more frequently if that would have made any difference at all you know people would have understood like okay the quarantine is still going on although we are opening up a few more things but know because the quarantine is still on you know you do still need to wear masks and observe distancing and um so i i think perhaps all over the world you know this this could be a situation where people um you know you hear the term lockdown and when you know, you hear that lockdown has ended, you think that everything is okay. When in fact, you know, nothing could be further from the truth, it's really not okay. And you have this enormous responsibility to try to keep things, you know, as okay as possible. Uh, But in, I mean, I I know that's a very roundabout way of answering your question, but I think it's just, in in Los Angeles, there's just a very different, like you don't run into strangers quite as much you know as you might in new york um and and also i i haven't really been going out very much you know i've been getting deliveries and things like that so
1: i think that that's actually that your point about the language and essentially Mm -hmm. the term the terminology that we use is i mean is a i think that's a very astute i think that it is i mean from my from my experience i think it's it bears it, you know, it bears out your, your, your thesis, um, in in that in Germany, they very much didn't, they didn't call it a lockdown. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. described as a quarantine. Yeah. And it was more, and, you know, nobody was enjoying themselves, but I think it does convey the public health, um, uh, important, the significance as a, as a health measure. This, it's not, as opposed to the sort of feeling, as if you're, yeah, as you said, as if you're being put in prison. um, Yeah. Well, if you
0: look at the the difference between, you know, the the leadership in Germany versus in the U.S., then you can understand, you know, where the emphasis comes from.
1: Yeah. It's a very, uh, it's a very perplexing uh, situation that we find ourselves in. Um, I wanted to ask, just kind of by way of wrapping up, if there are you know I think that you you know sort of along the lines of the the use of terminology, whether there are narratives that you kind of see that aren't getting told in this that you think are gonna gonna emerge as being important um after the fact, I think your point about terminology is is very much on we we'll, we will look back and think about about those kinds of things uh. I'm
0: not sure. Other than the question of terminology, I feel like I don't have enough of a handle on all of the the sort of more localized things that are happening, which mm-hmm. I kind of feel are really at the heart of the situation. I mean, we certainly read uh, in the media or see in the media um, you know the larger scale implications of what's happening uh, but then you know there are um there are smaller kind of neighborhood things that i think are just incredibly important like in parts of los angeles um people have set up these things called community refrigerators which um, you know maybe somebody will run uh, the electrical cord into a shop or you know someone's you know grocery store or whatever and people from the neighborhood will bring food and put it in the refrigerator and it's it's available to anybody who needs it um, and this is extremely important at a time when you know food banks are are really struggling and Um, A lot of um, families uh, with school-age children who rely on on school um, breakfast and lunch programs, you know, aren't getting those needs met. Uh, And it's also, you know, you have to actually travel to go someplace to get to a food bank, whereas this, you know, might be like a block away from where Mm -hmm. you You know if you're um a senior citizen and you need to rely you don't you don't drive for example and you need to rely on people to drive you places but those people have suddenly started going back to work and you know if if it's close enough to you then you can walk and 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 get something to eat and i think this type of thing is you know it's just so it's so important um and you know, I I have read about this in the Los Angeles Times, and I'm sure that other types of things are happening all over the country, all over the world, really. Um, You know, just, I think to see how, you know, how people are are looking out for each other, I think is something that is, you know, those are the stories that I think um, are not, getting out maybe as much as as they should and hopefully you know will become part of the history of of this moment because you know these are literally the the life-saving things that people can do for each other um but that's that's kind of um the only other i mean just you know just very sort of localized things are are the things that i think people are able to participate in, uh, you know, able to contribute to, you know, to um, reap benefits from, uh, you know, in a way that, you know, like our, certainly the the federal government is not going to be there for you Mm -hmm. at the moment, Uh, but, you know, your your neighbors will be. And I think that's, you know, that's really, um, I think that's, maybe you know the thing that comes out of this for me at least
1: well that is a very i think i think that's a very hopeful way of uh of putting it and thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to me and talk to us uh and we really appreciate um you being with us
0: oh you're very welcome uh thank you very much for asking and um you know best of luck with all of your other interviews okay.